Hey, I'm Pastor Mike, and thank you so much for taking time to check out this message. And I hope that it inspires you. I hope it pushes you either towards a relationship with Jesus or further along in your relationship with Jesus. But we would never want this message to replace the reality of what it means to be involved with a local church. Although I'm excited that you're checking this out and I, and I hope it speaks to you, let me encourage you that you need to be involved in a local body. There's something to the fact that you need to be under the authority of the spiritual lead of a pastor and involved in a community that can push you uh, further along. We are meant to be in community. So enjoy this message, but let me encourage you to be seeking an opportunity to be involved with a local church. Morning, everybody. How are we doing? Man, it has been an amazing week. I can't wait to tell you about all the Love Week stuff, but I'm going to wait till the end to do that. So uh, let me jump in with this thought. I had this thought. I'm going to adjust my chair. I feel like more a midget than I already am. Okay, good. Um, day 48 of 2019. Did you know that? Day 48. So today starts the eighth week of 2019. Your eighth week. Let me ask you a question. How are you doing with your resolutions? I got some thumbs down. I got, okay, let me be a little more, more specific. Um, how are you doing with your diet resolutions? C- couple good, couple bad. Some of us are like, yeah, I was, my goal is 15 pounds. only got 25 more to go, um, right? I found this article. I want to read this to you. I thought this was hilarious. It's called Belly Laughs at Early Fad Diets. Fad Diets. Centuries before the world obsessed over the sudden weight loss of Lindsay Lohan and Mary-Kate Olsen, there was William the Conqueror, who apparently got so fat, he had trouble staying on his horse, right? In the years after his triumph at the Battle of Hastings, the French royal grew so rotund, I love that word, rotund, I'm going to use that for myself from now on, um, that he devised his own weight loss technique. He confined himself to his room and consumed nothing but alcohol. (laughs) Welcome to Mardi Gras last night. Anyway, um, poor William subsequently died of an ab- abdominal injury in 1087 when he fell from his saddle at the siege of Montes. He was so obese that the clergy had trouble fitting him into his stone, here we go, sat word for you, sarcophagus, sarcophagus. A sarcophagus, I had to look it up, not that smart. It's basically like this concrete coffin that they made, but it had an image of the person on the top of it. So like it looked like you could see him. But listen to this. They, the clergy had uh, trouble g- getting him into it. And the stench of his body filled the chapel with a foul smell. Uh, the, the article says well, at least his horse must have felt some relief. Anyway, um, nearly a millennium later, humanity is still vexing at fad diets, forever searching for the pain-free formula of slimming down. Can I get an amen on that one? Right? See, that's good. Um, While there is a general consensus about the basic rule of metabolism, and that is the calories you burn must exceed the calories you consume, right? To which we all go, yeah, kadir. Uh, Achieving that goal is up for debate. And of course, a new diet scheme comes out all the time. One minute diet gurus are saying, eat no carbs. Then it's watch your fat. Just when you think that the Atkins diet or the South Beach diet or is, are here to stay, the Sonoma diet comes along. And uh, what are the diets uh, year, year after year? Scarsdale diet, cabbage soup diet, astronaut diet, the F plan, the zone have all come in and out of fashion. And some people will still swear by them, right? Remember back in 1988, you guys remember 88? 
right? Remember back in 1988 when Oprah Winfrey dragged a wagon piled with 67 pounds of fat before her audience, announcing that she had just lost that much in Optifast. Do you remember Optifast, anyone? Uh, later, she became an advocate for good eating and portion control. Celebrities can often uh, offer the worst weight loss examples. For example, in the mid-1970s, you guys remember the 70s? Good. Okay, 1970s, when Elvis Presley was squeezed into those white jumpsuits. You remember that? In the end, he was trying to squeeze into some white jumpsuits. And um, he reportedly tried and named the Sleeping Beauty Diet. Okay, this was, this was what Elvis tried to do. What he would do is uh, he would heavily sedate himself for several days and just sleep, hoping that when he woke up, he would be thinner. Sadly, the king waistline was overwhelmed by his famed weakness for peanut butter and banana sandwiches deep fried in butter. Somebody's going home and trying that today. But anyway... The article goes on, but, but the reason I read this article is because um, what stuck out to me is, is our culture, man. We are like, we're obsessed, and let me put this in terms for the teenagers. We're obsessed with cheat codes. What I mean by that is, if, if, and let me help the, the older folks here. So in, what's, in, in, in a video game, when you have a cheat code, it's a code you can put in. It gives you a special ability, or it levels you up, or it does, it, like it, it's a way to basically pass a bunch of steps right? It's, it's a way for you to pass levels. And I was thinking about, isn't that true for you and I in our culture that we're like obsessed with cheat codes? We're looking for the next pill, the next this, the next specialty thing. We're looking for this, this thing that will help us to accomplish. Um, and, and most of the time we're, we're trying to find this cheat code in a way that will get results with the least amount of effort possible, right? Would you agree? And so we're doing this series called Life Hacks. And the idea behind a life hack is it's something that is, you would almost think of it like a cheat code. It's something that you can do that maybe would make your life a little bit better. And so we're studying the book of James. Now, I've already had a couple people say to me, "Um, Pastor Mike, this book is kind of tough. And you're exactly right. Uh, Because here's the way I would say to you. There are no cheat codes with God. There, there are no cheat codes. You, you, you can't find some kind of special pill. You can, I can't give you. People will come to me and be like, Pastor Mike, I'm, my marriage is a mess and my finances are a mess and I don't feel like I have a relationship with my kids. Um, what can I do this afternoon to fix all that? Right? To which I say to them, it took you years to get here. It's going to take us a little to get out. It's not impossible but it's going to take a little work. There are no cheat codes when it comes to God, right? We can't shortcut. And so James, um, James is an interesting book because um, it puts me in a weird place teaching for you. Because sitting here amongst us today, there are maybe some newer Christians or baby Christians, or maybe even people who are not Christian yet. You're kind of just kind of kicking the tires, checking it out, seeing if, if this is legit or not, or if we're really real or we're just weirdos. Um, that handle snakes or some kind of weird thing like that. Um, I had somebody say that to me this week that they invited someone and they were worried about us doing kind of Pentecostal things or whatever. And she, she tempted me to bring out a rubber snake, but I didn't do that because I want to be nice. But anyway, but, but it's, it's amazing that, that we, um, I'm walking this tightrope because James is a hard hitting book. Like James is just going to go at it. You, you know what I mean? Like he's, I mean, we've been talking about, you think about first week, we went right into trials and temptations. 
Like, okay, well, let's start off easy, right? I mean, trials and temptation, right into it. And, and, and so what I want to say to you today is I'm walking this tightrope. For some of you, you're new believers, you're new to the faith, you're trying to understand this whole Jesus thing. And in some ways, the material is like handing a baby a 180-pound dumbbell and saying, good luck, right? Because there's weight. I mean, when we start comparing our sinful nature our normal way of thinking, the way we think like this world as compared to God's holiness, there's a little bit of difference there, right? There's, there's some weight to holiness. And then for you guys that are believers, you've been there for a while, my job is to help you to feel that weight and get you out of the rut, right? Because we all kind of get into Christian ruts where we sort of think we've arrived, Right? And, and I'm good. Like, God and, I, God and I are good. And you know what the reality is? Is our, our relationship with God should ever be growing. And so uh, I found these two quotes that I thought were pretty amazing, and they're, they're in your notes there. But uh, Soren Kierkegaard is a, a um, wow, this is so cool. I got to tell you all this. So we got this new TV right here, and she's got my notes on the TV, and I didn't test it enough to not have my computer, but it's on the screen. It is so cool. I'm going to read from the screen right now. Um, Soren Kierkegaard said, The human race in the course of time has taken the liberty of softening and softening Christianity. Stop there. We see that in our culture, right? We, we want to get more and more liberal. We're, we, we want to push more and more to see, and that's not a political statement. That's a, that's a religious statement. You hear me in that, right? But the, the reality is we want to get more and more where we say, well, how far can I go before God will get mad? Right? And we want to push the envelope and push the envelope. We soften it up, soften and soften Christianity until at last we have contrived to make it exactly the opposite of what is in the New Testament. And so the reality is, is for us to dig into God's word can be a little painful, right? For, for us to get into God's word can be, and the word we like to use is conviction, not condemnation, not you suck and you're going to hell and blah, 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 but that the Holy Spirit brings conviction to us. And so this is an area that we need to work on. Martin Luther said this, a religion that gives nothing, costs nothing, and suffers nothing is worth nothing. Right? And so I say that to you to start today because before we get into chapter 2 of James, I really want to encourage you, if you're a new Christian, some of this is going to be kind of heavy. Right? Some of this is kind of, wow, okay, this is a little hard-hitting or a little tough. And for some of you that have been Christians for a long time, I want you to open your mind enough to feel the weight of God's holiness, right? That, that needs to chisel some things, that needs to deal with some, some heart things inside of it, needs to deal with the way that our minds work and our thought processes. So I'm going to give you the point first, and then we're going to look at the scripture. Point number one today is this. Everyone has a part to play. Everyone in your life has a part to play. Okay, let's look at James 2, verse 1. My brothers and sisters, let me stop there and start. In the book of James, we see that phrase over and over again. My brothers and sisters. What does that mean? That means James wrote this book to Christians. Okay? So in other words, if you're a believer today of Jesus, then these are not options. This, these are commands. Right? These are, these are not options. These are, this is how we should live. If you're not a Christian today, then maybe you can hear what Jesus says are requirements for us to be Christians and get an idea of whether or not that you want to follow him. You know, and so I just want to put that in your mindset. It says, my brothers and sisters, believers in our glorious Lord Jesus Christ must not show favoritism. I don't know about you, 
But when I read that, my first thought is, that's right. Amen. Absolutely. And then I go out there all week long and I show favoritism. I have certain preferences. I have certain things I like. We might call it, we might use the word discrimination. We might use the word prejudice, right? But we all have different mindsets. And, and, and this is such a struggle in our culture right now when we get to racism, right? So this past week, I did go and get my badge and my shirt and became the chaplain. And I got introduced at the police department and that whole thing. But I thought it was so interesting because Chief and I, when we had a, a lunch, the chief of police looked at me and he said, are, are you going to be okay with wearing a Leesburg badge? And I said, well, why would I not be? And he said, well, because there's a lot of people out there that have really bad thoughts of who the police are. Like, is it going to be okay for you and for your church to align yourself in that way? And I, I, I got to be honest, I just didn't, had not thought about it. But I thought about that, that you know. And so I went on, a, on the ride-along a couple weeks ago, and we walked through this crazy party. Like, you could smell, you know, pot all day long. And we walked through this party, and one of the guys, like, cussed at me. I won't say what he said, but he was like, you know, don't bring your bleep around here anymore as I walked by. Right? Because I'm standing there with the police. I got a vest on, I'm, the whole kind of thing. And I just thought about that, this, this, this struggle that we have. And it's easy for us to sit up here in our ivory tower in the church and go, oh, that's terrible. Right? It's, it's easy for us to, to look at that particular one because you know what Christians discriminate the most in or show favoritism the most in is in the area of sin. Because see, my sins are okay, but your sins are terrible, right? I've always talked about the, 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 the pastor who gets up in the pulpit and he's sitting there railing on maybe homosexuals or he's railing on, you know, this or that, railing on abortion because those are big issues that we can all rah, 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 rah. Problem is he's standing there and he's 370 pounds. What about the sin of gluttony? And, and how easy, listen, this is, this is for you and I. This is not for us to nod our head and look at some. This is not a Passover message. You know what a Passover message is? Where you like pass it over and look at the person behind you? You, you paying attention? You know what I'm saying? This is, a, this is a you message. This is me and you. This is you. Let me ask you. Where is it that you show favoritism? Where is it that you show preferences? And why is it that we show those preferences? Because the scripture tells us as a follower of Jesus, that's not what we're supposed to do right? Let me give you a little bit of an illustration. Anybody like to play cards? Anybody here play cards? Um, what kind of games do you like to play playing cards? Rummy. Okay. So my personal favorite game uh, to play with cards is spades. Anybody play spades? I grew up playing spades. Yes, I know it's a jailhouse game. No, I wasn't in prison. Um, but my grandma, no, she wasn't. Um, but my, me and my grandma used to play against my mom and my aunt, and it was, it was bloody, you know what I'm saying? Like, it was, it was hardcore, and we would play spades. And so I've taught my girls to play spades, and it's funny because when you're only playing with two, you can only use half the deck, right? So we do this, this thing uh, where, we, where we basically, you, you pick up the first card. If you want it, you put it down. I mean, if you want it, you keep it, and then you kill the second one, but you can't look at it. If you pick up the first one and you don't want it, you put it down, and you have to take the second one. And that's how we split up the deck, right? And I thought about that from the standpoint of you and I all day long. How often do we look at people, do I want this one? No, I don't want that one. I'll take this one. 
right? Do I want that? Yeah, I'll take this one. I don't even care about that one, right? And so I started thinking about the, like this concept. So, so you draw a card and we think about discrimination. So I pulled a king here, right? King's a pretty good card um, in most things you play. Then, then there's a queen. Well, we got discrimination right away because, of course, the king is better than the queen. Okay. Y'all, y'all pray for Jennifer. That was Brent. Anyway, um, now, but, <laughs> but, but right away, and, and, and so what do we have? We've got the feminist argument, right? And we've got struggles with how does that work? And, 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 and what about the value of women and, and struggles and all that kind of stuff? That's, that's a place of favoritism. Is it favoritism? We've got a lot of arguments in that area, right? So then I pull a, a nine of spades. Now, any spade, I want a spade, right? But a nine's kind of in the middle. It's not the greatest card, but it's not a two or three. You know what I mean? So I'm kind of, eh, yeah, I like the card. It's okay. Um, oh, Every deck has jokers in it, right? What do you do with the jokers most of the time? Not even interested, right? We're, we're going to talk about the joker in a minute. I'm going to bring that back in just a second. But, uh, oh, I pulled a jack, a spades, and an ace. We all, we all want aces, right? So I'm looking at these cards, and I'm going through. And then I pull, um, then I pull a, a two-eyed jack. This is a one-eyed jack, but then you pull a two-eyed jack. Which one's better? Depends on who you ask and what the value of the cards are, right? And so what do we do? So most of the time we take our hand and I want to compare this to the people in your lives. You take the people in your lives and you look at them like this. And you say, well, this one's more valuable than this one because of that. And this one is not as valuable for that. And man, if you pull a two, like a two of clubs, who wants a two of clubs? Ain't nobody want a two of clubs, right? Until... Until you're playing poker and you got two other twos, right? It's, it's all about the scenario. But what I want to say to you is, is I think we have a tendency to look at the people around us. And, and I, would, I, I termed it this way. It's kind of the way I put it in my notes. It's either love by faith or love by resource. When I love by resource, I'm looking at what these guys can do for me. It's about what they have right? It's amazing how we give great love and devotion to people we don't even know because they wrote a song. We, we give them value, right? But it's the resources because we love that music. But to love by faith would be to love like this. What does that mean? It means I give equal value to all of the cards because I don't see the difference. That's what the scriptures say. That's to love by faith. That what I realize is, listen to me, everybody has a part in the story. And the problem and the struggle we have in the church and in our culture is that we value certain things. The reason that we have this struggle with our ladies in self-image, body image, is because we value things like blonde hair and big boobs. Yes, I said that in church, right? We, we went from the skinny little bodies to, to back in the day, like 80s, it was all about working out and, you know, this skinny little body. Now you got Kim Kardashian and J-Lo and junk in the trunk, kind of, kind, you know what I mean? You follow what I'm saying? Like, listen, we, our different cultures, we put values on these things. Are you hearing what I'm saying? 
And so then our girls and you ladies have a really hard time when you look in the mirror because you're like, I don't match up to what that is. And now all of a sudden you, you value yourself less, right? And how often do we do that? We compare ourselves to what we can do or the resources as opposed to the fact that we all have a part to play. That's what God's word says. God's word says every single one of you has a part to play. You, 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 you're supposed to be a part of the story. Are every one of you supposed to get up here and teach like I'm teaching? No. Somebody had to put those notes in that, in that experience guide for you. Right? Somebody had to go get some donuts this morning. What? What? You know what I'm saying? Brian had to roast some coffee last night so you could have some, you know, holy goodness in your cup today. But, but we all have a part. Let me ask you. Are you looking at everyone as valuable? Or do we overvalue for the wrong things? Right? Now, is everybody different? Yeah, everybody's different. Does everybody have a different function or a different role? Yes, right? We're not doing this whole androgyny thing where everybody's supposed to be equal. That's poo-poo, y'all. Right? There is a difference between men and women. It took that long for you to say amen. There's a difference between men and women, yes? I, I hope there's a difference between men and women, right? But, you know, our, our world wants to make it all one. Listen to me. It's not that we're not supposed to celebrate that there's different. It's that we're supposed to celebrate everyone and not favor one or the other. So the other day we were working on, because you guys know Easter, we're going to Leesburg High School. Um, and bike fest. We're going to have big service Easter in the auditorium. So I've been working with the school on getting in there. Well, like two, three days in a row, I went to the school and I really felt like I was aggravating the heck out of the ladies in the front office, right? I walked in at the perfectly wrong time, of course. Um, and Miss Rowe had nine teachers out with a flu and she was trying to like fill substitutes and do all this sort of stuff. And I'm like, hey, can I talk to the principal? You know, like, and I didn't have an appointment and all this kind of stuff. So anyway, I went back home to my wife and I, I said, Jen, I feel like I'm aggravating the heck out of these poor ladies. And they're like the backbone of the school, you know, kind of thing. And they're not the ones that get valued. They're not the ones that, they're not, they're not the aces. You know what I mean? They're the, they're the ones that are holding it together. So Jen said, I got this. And I said, what do you mean I got this? And she said, when I was school, because some of you guys know, Jen used to be head of the English department at Leesburg High School. She said, when I was in education teaching, what they would tell you is there are two people you need to have a fantastic relationship with as a teacher. One is the school secretary, two is your janitor. Right? Now, I'm not favoring the aces. I realize that everyone has value, right? And so Jen went and she called Miss Rowe over at Leesburg High School. Didn't introduce herself. Miss Rowe said, hello, this is Miss Rowe. She said, hi, Miss Rowe. Let me ask you a random question. If in the middle of the afternoon, let's say this afternoon, somebody showed up with something from Dunkin' Donuts, what would you want that to be? And Miss Rowe started laughing and she said, well, I, I, I love coffee. I, I, I some coffee. And, and she's like, okay, you, well, how about a snack or something? And she's like, and she still didn't know who Jen is. Jen is just this random woman calling her. And, and, and she says, uh, no, 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 I'm trying to behave right now. Apparently she's on a diet, um, William the Conqueror. But um, so she, she's, uh, she, she went through all that. We went through the thing. Anyway, Jen takes them, never introduces herself. Even when she goes there, she never tells them. Shows up with coffee, fresh cut fruit, and values them. Well, I showed up a couple days later, and guess what? I'm like the king of Siam now. You know what I'm saying? 
Like if I ask her to do something, she will move heaven and earth. Listen to me. Do we miss valuing the people in our lives? So let me talk about the joker. I don't know if you know, if you know why there's a joker. Does anybody know why there's a joker? It's actually meant for several different reasons, but one of the main one is, have you ever picked up your cards, counted your cards, and you got 51? There's 52 cards in a deck. You ever been missing a card? The joker is so you can write whatever that cut, whatever that is, and add it into the deck and continue to play. We throw out the jokers in our lives when they also still have a part to play. We're going to talk about a joker here in just the scripture in just a minute. Let me keep going. Point number two is this. Have mercy, give mercy. Have mercy, give mercy. If you have been shown mercy, then we have to give mercy. Verse two, suppose a man comes into your meeting wearing a gold ring and fine clothes and a poor man in filth, old, filthy old clothes also comes in. If you show special attention to the man wearing fine clothes and say, here's a good seat for you, but say to the poor man, you know, you stand over there or maybe sit on the floor by my feet. Boy, that's a terrible, like, that's like dog status, right? Come sit over here by my feet. Have you not discriminated amongst yourselves and become judges with evil thoughts? I was thinking about that, judges with evil thoughts. Why are those evil thoughts? Because quite honestly, the reason we treat those people better is because of what they think, we think they can do for us right? Like, like we'll eventually, like for Easter, I think the chief of police is coming. We've invited some other people and we'll, what do we do? We're like, put them on the front row, special seating. All that. Why don't we do that when the homeless guy comes in? That's what the scripture says, right? That, that's, that's what you and I are called to do. And so let me encourage you, if you work in an office, show great honor to the boss, but show great honor to the lowest on the totem pole, Right? That's what this is saying, that, that we show it. Across. Listen, my dear brothers and sisters, has not God chosen those who are poor in the eyes of the world to be rich in faith and to inherit the kingdom he promises those who love him? But you have dishonored the poor. It is not the rich who are exploiting you. Are they not the ones who are dragging you into court? Are they not the ones who are blaspheming the noble name to him whom you belong? Now let me put that in context because the context of this is very different than our context in our world today. Remember the time period that this is being written. The Christians are being persecuted. To become a Christian at this time means to become poor, period. Right? Because when you become a Christian, you become an outcast. You're, you're cut off. You're, so at this time, so when he says this and he makes the separation, he's not bad-mouthing rich people, but what he is saying is the reality is what's going on is if you call yourself a Christian right now, uh, you're going to be fed to the lions. You're, you're going to be persecuted. You're going to have to hide to do that scenario. So he says, he says, look, why is it? And he's talking to, to some of the churches where they've got some of the Jewish leaders or some of the guys come in in their big fancy robes and, thing, and they come walking in and they're like, oh, please, please sit here. Why? Because you think they can help you. Because it's about me, right? As opposed to looking at everyone. Let me say to us, we are the rich people. Like we have to put this in context. If you live in the United States, you are the rich people. We are the rich people, right? And so what we do is slightly different in our culture. We do the same thing when somebody wants to benefit us, but we also have this scenario. Some of us have gotten to where we can't stand rich people 
or money or those kind of things, and we've gone the opposite way, and we discriminate, we give more honor and glory to those in a lower place than we do in a higher place. Neither one of them is correct. Right? That we, we would treat all people, we would give honor and respect across the board. Let, let, me, let, me, let me say this to you. How about this one? Do you know their names? In other words, the people in your life that are the lowest sort of on the totem pole, the people that clean your office building, do you know their names? The, the people that are in your neighborhood that are not like the cool kids, you know, the, the people around you, do, do you know their names? Let's just start with names. Everybody likes to hear their names spoken, right? And so we, we don't show any kind of favoritism. Listen, if you really keep the royal law found in scriptures, love your neighbor as yourself, you are doing right. But, but if you show favoritism, you sin. And are convicted by the law as a lawbreaker. For whoever keeps the whole law yet stumbles at one point is guilty of breaking it all. For he who said, you shall not commit adultery, also said you shall not commit murder. murder. If you do not commit adultery, but you do commit murder, you become a lawbreaker. What James is saying here, what God is saying to us through James is, hey guys, stop discriminating amongst the sins. We're all sinners. We all break the law, right? And it's amazing to me in the church how quickly we are the ones that throw stones. That's why we have the scripture that says, before you take the speck out of your brother's eye, how about you take the plank out of your eye? Right? And yet we all do this. I, I, I do this. We, we, we show favoritism. We, we give a little bit more weight to somebody here and there. And it's not that people are not supposed to have different roles in our lives, but we're not supposed to honor and respect those for the wrong reasons. Are you, are you tracking with me on that concept? Speak and act as those who are going to be judged by the law that gives freedom because judgment, listen to this, without mercy, judgment without mercy will be shown to anyone who has not been merciful. Mercy triumphs over judgment. What does that mean? Well, we are all going to, there's this new medical research out. I don't know if you've heard it but it says that 100% of people are going to die. You heard that? Yes, for real. Yeah, so, so, so the reality is, is we're all going to die. Now, I think there's some misconceptions about what's going to happen after death because I think there's a lot of Christians out there that think because I have Jesus, I'm not going to go through judgment. That's not true. We are all going to stand before God one day. Every single one of us is going to stand before God one day. And when we do... The first thing they're going to do is check the book. There's a book called the Book of Life. And for those who have a relationship with Jesus Christ, their name is in the book. And their name being in the book is kind of the first spot. And the name's in the book, great, good to go. And when your name is in the book, listen to me, this is crazy. Everything prior to the day that you met Jesus is forgiven, right? And your sins since then are forgiven. But you're still going to go stand before God and he's going to ask you this. Were you merciful the way I was merciful to you? See, there are going to be different rewards in heaven. 
There are going to be people that kind of scoot in, if you, so, if you so to speak. And they're not going to have been merciful. He's going to go, you know, the day that I gave you mercy, and I showed mercy for you for years for the rest of your life, but I didn't see a lot of mercy inside of you. I, I, I didn't see that inside of you, that, that kindness inside of you. And, it, and, 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 and so then there are those that, that don't know Jesus. And unfortunately, the reality is, is that because of that, he, he doesn't have relationship. And we go away from his presence for good. And because we did not let Jesus take our sins for us, then we have to go and pay for our sins. Hell is not a place that God sends people. Hell is a place where people choose to pay for their own sins instead of accepting the free gift of salvation through Jesus. Can I encourage you today, if that's you, if you've never accepted Jesus, it is that simple, it's that free. It's that free that he says, if you will just surrender your life to me as best as you know how, I will forgive you of your sins and you can live forever with me. I will take the punishment so you don't have to pay it for yourself. Right? Number three point today is this. Hey, awesome. Uh, faith without works is dead. Faith without works is dead. Now, this has been an argument for years, but let me get into the, the verse first. Verse 14, 14. What good is it, my brothers and sisters, if someone claims to have faith but has no deeds? Can such faith save him? Listen, can you just say you're a Christian and that save you? Suppose a brother or sister is without clothes and daily food. If one of you says to them, go in peace, keep warm and well-fed, but does nothing about their physical needs, what good is it? In the same way, faith by itself, if it is not accompanied by action, is dead. But someone will say, you have faith and I have deeds. To which, show me your faith without your deeds, and I will show you my faith by my deeds. You believe that there is one God, good. Even the demons believe that and shudder. So here's the question that's always a struggle for people. Is Christianity a works religion is the question. Because every other religion on the planet is a works religion. Did you realize that? Every other religion on the planet, you have to do certain things. In Islam, there's five pillars. You've got to do those five pillars to please an angry God and hope you get in. Work, is, is Christianity a works religion? The answer is yes. The real, the, what the real question, though, is, has to do with salvation. You can't work for salvation. Salvation is not by works. Salvation is completely by faith. So we've got this dichotomy here. What it's saying is you have to have faith, right? You have to have that moment where you say, I, I believe. I, I get it. I believe. I believe Jesus is who he says he is, and I make that decision. But it also says that if you have faith but you have no action, then there is very reasonable doubt for whether or not this was a saving faith to begin with. Let me say it to you this way. Anybody here got a credit card? Anybody got a credit card? Of course you do. The average American has $18,000 in credit card debt. Right? That's a subject for another day. But, listen to me. What happens when you first get the credit card in the mail? You just take it right out of the envelope and go to the mall and use it, Right? No, you have to activate it. You can take that card right out of the envelope and go to the store over and over again and use it. And guess what? They're going to say decline, 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 decline. That's what this says. 
Our faith, we're not saved because of what we do, but what we do is a definition and a reality of the fact that we actually have faith, right? They go hand in hand. Let me say it to you this way. Anybody here kayak? Anybody ever been kayaking? Okay, when you're kayaking, you have a paddle, and it's got a paddle on both sides, and you paddle like this, right? So I want you to picture this. This one's faith. This one's deeds. This one's faith. This one's actions. If you just use faith, what happens? You go right in a circle. You don't go anywhere. If you just use deeds, if you never have a saving moment where you come to surrender to Jesus Christ, but you try your best to be a good person, because we love using that term. Well, they're a good person. I'm a good person. Well, let me, let me ask you. If you just use action, what happens? You go nowhere. It requires faith and action for us to live out the reality of our salvation in our lives, to get to where it is that God wants us to go, right? It requires both is what it's saying. Look at verse 20. You foolish person, do you want evidence that faith without deeds is useless? Was not our father Abraham considered righteous for what he did when he offered his son Isaac on the altar? If you, were, if you don't know the story, God said, here's the only son I've, I've given you. Now I want you to, to sacrifice him, kill him. Imagine taking your only born child, put him on an altar and taking a knife, right? But Abraham got right to the point where he was about to do it and got to, whoa, 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 whoa. It was just a test. I wanted to see your action with your faith, right? That's, that's, that's what he did. You see that his faith and his actions were working together and his faith was made complete by what he did. Catch that. His faith was made complete by what he did. In other words, when you come to a saving knowledge of Jesus Christ and you pray that prayer, and some of you are going to do that today, it's going to be amazing, greatest decision you've ever made. But when you do that, now what you have to do is show the evidence of that because there's a transformation that comes because the Holy Spirit is brought inside of you and there's a transformation. And so when there's the Holy Spirit's brought inside of you, you can't help but change. You can't help but see things different, right? That transformation happens. You see that his faith and his actions were working together. His faith was made complete by what he did, and the scripture was fulfilled that says Abraham believed God and it was credited to him as righteousness, and he was called God's friend. You see that a person is considered righteous by what they do and not by faith alone. By what they do and not by faith alone, right? Verse 25, in the same way was not even Rahab, Rahab, do I still have my joker? Rahab's the joker. Anybody know what Rahab was? Do you remember? Rahab was a prostitute. So let's put it in today's terms. She was a stripper or a porn star. This is, this is who she was. Listen to this. In the same way, was not even Rahab the prostitute considered righteous? Righteous? For what she did when she gave lodging to the spies and sent them off in a different direction. As the body without the spirit is death, so faith without deeds is dead. Listen to me. Rahab is the joker. Rahab is the useless person in your life. Tell me a good godly story that has to do with a porn star. Let me tell you the story of Rahab. Right? Rahab lived in the wall in Jericho. And on the outer wall, the reason they put those people there is because they were the useless ones. In other words, when somebody attacked and tore the place up, they would die first because they valued them the least. And yet she played a role in God's people, right? Once again, God uses the most unlikely person, 
the one that seems the least valuable on the outside of the wall, Rahab, listen to me, will later get married and have a son. Her son's name is Boaz. Couple kids later, you get Obed. Couple kids later, you get Jesse. Then you get King David. Listen to me. The porn star, the stripper, you know, the one that we kind of blow off and kind of, mm, I don't know. Driving around Leesburg the other day, I saw a couple. Pretty sure one of them kind of, kind of like, kind of gave me the signal. I don't know what that means, but you know what I mean? Like waved at me, whatever. And I thought about like how I typically would respond within my heart. But I don't know that girl's story. And I don't know what happened to her. What I do know is the value that God places on her life. And yet we show this favoritism. We show this scenario. Rahab becomes the great, great, great grandmother of King David. In other words, Rahab is in Jesus's ancestry line. Rahab is in... Could it be that some of the least people that are in your life right now may play some of the biggest roles. And the scriptures are encouraging us. Listen to me. If you have faith, you got to show action. One of the ways that you show that action is not having favoritism. Is, is that you basically take the hand that God has given you, right? And, and here's the hand. So here's your neighbors and here's your coworker and here's the kids you sit with at school and the other kids that you don't sit with at school, Right? Here's, here's that person down the, down the, down the way at, at work that you're just like, oh, please don't come this way. Because that person could dog, talk a dog out of a meat truck. You know what I'm saying? Us putting action to our faith is us beginning to look at people and saying, God's got a plan. He's got a plan for every single one of us, you and me. And instead of looking at the value here, I look and say, okay, God, how significant is the person that's checking me out at the grocery store right now? How significant is the bus boy? How significant is that scenario? Because maybe they're my Rahab. Maybe they're going to play a bigger, more significant role in my life than I actually realize. Right? And so Jesus tells us, Hey guys, everybody's got a part. Everybody's got a part. Look around. When you go to work tomorrow, when you go to school tomorrow, everybody's got a part. They're significant. Maybe we place a little more significance and we start looking for those people that we can touch. Yesterday we were working at Oak Park Middle School. I'm gonna tell you more about that in a minute. But uh, I'm gonna pick on the Cornets for a second because the Cornets got, had this like EC, OCD moment and they were pressure washing right? And they could not stop until it was done. You know what I'm talking Anybody else? Come on, you know, you, you know, some of you OCDs here, right? Everybody else has left. Everybody else had left. Matheny's are standing there in the cornets, Miss Denny's. Pressure washing, right? I look down the way and the janitor, the custodian's waiting for us, African-American gentleman, probably, I don't know, 40s maybe, maybe 50 or so. And I could see him like, look at us. And then look back out of the parking lot because he's waiting for us because he got to lock the gate, right? And I'm kind of laughing because I'm kind of like, we should get going. I feel bad for this guy or whatever. And I thought about today's teaching. And I thought about how quickly and easily, like, 
we don't talk to that guy. We don't say a lot to him or whatever. So I walked down there and I just said, hey, bro, um, what do you think about, you know, everything's been done. And he's like, man, pastor, this is so cool. Like what you guys did today, I don't think our team could do in two weeks. And y'all did it in like four or five hours. And man, that school looked awesome. We remulched the whole front of the school. It looked amazing. And I said, that's so cool. I said, look, man, we're, uh, I value your time. And I, I was thinking about this. Because I thought, do we really? Because most of the time I don't. Most of the time I just kind of be like, you're the custodians. What you're supposed to do? Right? And I was like, you know what? I, I really value your time. And he said, you know, I, I appreciate that. So I handed him a $100 bill. And I thought he was going to pass out. But what I felt like God was making me live out in that moment was exactly what we're talking about here this morning. Right? Who in your story do we need to stop having favoritism away from? Who in your story can you, can you touch this week? Who, in this, who this week can you say, you really matter to me? You're, that is what James is trying to tell us, right? And so he says, listen to me. Um, have you gotten mercy? Well, then you give mercy. Have mercy, give mercy. And then it's faith without works is dead. When you put it all together, listen, put it all together and it says this. Let us be the people of God that don't just say we have faith in the creator of the universe, but that we go and live it out. And how do we live it out? By showing no favoritism. By, gi by giving no extra honor to anyone because of stance or because of worldly possession. But we value people. And when we show value... When we give mercy because we have mercy, God, our Father gets glorified in heaven. Amen? What about you? What about you? Who is it this week? Man, I'm praying right now, Holy Spirit's going to give you some specific people. Or this week, they're just going to, like, their face is going to glow, like Moses coming off the mountain. Like, this is the one, you know? That God says to you, man, treat this one like, like the president just walked in. For some of you, that was a bad thing because that's not. But anyway, but you understand what I'm saying, right? Treat, treat this person with great significance and love and passion. Why? Because you have mercy, so, so give mercy. And let your faith be lived out through the actions in the way that you might love someone else. What would God say? What would God have you do? God will use anyone to do amazing things. Rahab, the prostitute, right? And if you remember the rest of the story, she looks at the spies and she says, hey guys, look, I, I gave y'all mercy. Will you give me mercy? Boy, does that fit in our story, right? And they say, yeah, you know what? She gave us mercy, so we should give mercy, just like God gives us mercy. So they tell her, tell you what, take this red, a scarlet thread and hang it out the window. And that way when everybody comes in, right? And they come marching, our, our people come marching up. They'll see the red scarlet and, and we'll tell them, do not touch. Those people are covered. The amazing illustration there. That's what Jesus says. You know what the scarlet thread is? It's the blood of Jesus Christ pouring down a cross for anyone and everyone, even a prostitute, that say, I will submit my life unto you. And you can put the scarlet thread down. And God says, I got you. You're now mine. And so if that's you today, if, if, 
If you've never surrendered your heart to Jesus, let me encourage you to do that. It's the greatest decision you'll ever make. Nothing weird about it, nothing scary about it. And I'm going to pray a prayer in just a minute and invite you to do that. For the rest of us, if you know Jesus, who is it he wants you to serve? Who is it that's the least? Will you look this week for those people? Will you weigh your own heart this week and say, where do I show favoritism? God, help me to look at all people. Yes, different people play different roles in my lives, but I need to value them all, right? Let me pray and ask God to help us to do that. Father God, we admit every single one of us here struggles with discrimination, prejudice, maybe even racism. We've got these filters that are preset in our minds in the way that we look at people and treat people. And right now we're asking God for you to help us to break would you break that stuff inside of us? Would you break those, those thought patterns out of our mind? Would you help us to love across the board? Would you help us treat the lowest like the highest, the highest like the lowest, just, across, just no favoritism, no discrimination, that we might live out the faith that we have? Father, for those that are here this morning and have never received you as their Lord and Savior, I pray you would touch them today and let them know that you're very, very real and in this place and that you love them no matter who they are, right where they are. And while we're still praying, I'm going to pray a prayer for you. I'm going to give you some words. They're just words. Um, there's nothing special about what I'm going to say. What is special is the sincerity of your heart. And so if that's you today and you need to pray a prayer, maybe pray something like this. Jesus, I surrender my heart to you today. I ask you to forgive me my sins as best as I know how today I want to surrender and serve you for the rest of my life thank you for loving me right where I am thank you for forgiving me no matter what it is we pray all this Jesus in your amazing holy name and all God's people said do this, would you grab one of the connect cards that's in the experience guide there? And if it's your first time here, let me say welcome. We're really glad you're here. And um, we hope you'll come back, but we would really like to help you find the right church for you, whether it's here or not. For those of you who haven't been to Life Steps, Life Steps is going on in just a little bit. Step three, uh, my wife, and she is crazy and highly entertaining, is doing Life Step three today. Uh, so if you just want some good entertainment, it starts at 1045 across the street. Uh, but we would encourage you to go and be a part of Life Steps. Um, fill out that card for us, if you will. First time guest, name, phone, email. Uh, if you made a decision today, please mark follow Jesus on there where it says, I've decided to follow Jesus. Or maybe you want to recommit your life today. Uh, if you've got a prayer request, we have an amazing prayer team that comes on Tuesday mornings and would love to pray for you. Uh, specifically, so write those things, those things on there. Our ushers are going to come and receive our tithes and our offerings. And uh, while they do that, um, you can drop the connect cards in the bucket as well. While they do that, we typically do our legacy report with a video, right? We usually put up a video and we say you can give on all kinds of different ways and you can text give and do all kinds of giving. If it's your first time here, don't feel compelled to give. We're just glad you're here. Um, 
But I want to take just a second and give you a love week report. Can I do that? Just give you some, some love week things that happened this week. Um, a few love week stories. Of course, we started off love week with the 5K this past Saturday, and we sponsored that. And we haven't seen a total yet, but it's several thousand dollars that has been, uh, been uh, was made for some local food banks and those kind of things. So that was then. Um, Thursday, we had the gas giveaway. Let me say thank you to all of you that came for the gas giveaway. We had amazing volunteers at the gas giveaway. We gave away $3,400 worth of free gas. $20 at a time, right? $20 at a time. And Amber's mom came and got free gas, didn't she? Yeah. And, uh, and there were several others. And let me just tell you, I just happen to know there's a family here this morning and they're here for the first time at church because they came and got some free gas. Um, so welcome. We're glad you're here this morning. Thank you for joining us. Um, and so we, we had an amazing time. I had this one guy, um, I think his name was Dakota. So it was so much fun because I'm in the parking lot. Now imagine me in the parking lot walking with a brochure towards your car as you're pulling in, right? And I got a lot of these. I got some, they just took off, you know? I'm like, oh, bummer, you just lost 20 bucks, bro, right? But, uh, but this one kid, young kid, and, and um, he, he's kind of, he's kind of, anyway, he, like, I think he had a Metallica shirt on, long hair, and, you know, his old kind of car and stuff. And, and he pulls up, and he's, like, looking at me like, what the, you know, kind of like he wanted to cuss at me or something. And, um, and I said, dude, I know this is weird. Just don't hear me out. Like, I'm a pastor. Our church is serving people. This is worth $20 of free gas. If you pull right there, they'll pump you gas. And he went, What? And I'm like, I'm serious. Like, like right there, like pump 18 right there, you know, pull up. And then somebody pulled into pump 18. I'm like, all right, right over there, 16. That's actually, that's my daughter. She'll pump your gas for you. $20 for free gas. He went, yeah, whatever. And he pulled up. A few minutes later, I'm handing out to others. He comes walking across the parking lot. And he said, dude, I, th- I thought you were full of crap. <laughs> and I said, well, a lot of time I am, but, um, <laughs> But uh, no, dude, we just went, he's like, where's your church, man? And I was like, well, we're at the Tropic Theater. He's like, Tropic Theater on Main Street? Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, like where they're going to be doing a bar during Mardi Gras. Yeah. Um, and, and he's like, he's like, that's so cool. So like, I've got three kids and, you know, I probably should be in church. And I said, they absolutely should be in church. And he's like, well, you know, what's it like? And I was like, bro, you can come just like you are. Right. I don't care if you come in shirts, shorts and a flip flops. You're, you're just, and he's like, all right, pastor, I, I think I'm going to come. So, so I'm praying for Dakota to show up here at church, right? And these are just a few stories. Um, next door, while we we're doing the gas, we gave away $500 worth of free bread and cakes at the bread store. $10 a pop, right? We got a text, uh, we got a message on Facebook from a lady and, and it was amazing because she said, I could not believe what your church was doing. I thought it was so amazing, but what was so amazing about the whole thing was your people's smiling faces were so welcoming and so loving. And I just, I, man, I just like my chest all puffed up, you know, as a pastor, like I'm all, it was so cool. So then Thursday, we gave gift cards to everybody on the Leesburg High School staff and everybody on the Oak Park staff, okay? So Thursday morning, Ayana and I drove over and we went to Leesburg High School first, and we had $100 gift cards for all of the teachers to Office Depot and subway cards to all the rest of the staff, right? 
So we went, we stuffed all the boxes in the teacher lounge, did that whole scenario. And then um, uh, we walked out, Mr. Randolph, the principal, he's like, and I sent an email. That was really cool. They let me send a personal email to everyone on staff that said, hey, I'm Pastor Mike. So proud of what you do. I know how hard it is to work on campus. You know, we just want you to know we're behind you. If there's any way our church can serve you, don't hesitate to ask, blah, blah, blah. Well, the night before, our youth group prepped all the cards, right? So our youth group spent youth group time writing all the names and all this stuff. So I added to the email, P.S., our youth group prepped all the cards. Please forgive the atrocious handwriting (laughs) and the grammar issues. I wrote this. I really did. Um, I, I'm sure by now you each have a secret decoder ring and you're really good at deciphering hieroglyphics, right? <laughs> this, this, is what, this is what I wrote. So anyway, so we had already sent an email, but afterwards, Mr. Randolph, the principal said, no, 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 I needed to make an announcement. It's in the middle of stinking class. Interrupts the whole school, right? Hello, teachers and staff. Forgive me for interrupting uh, your classes, but I just want you to let you know, Pastor Mike Vini from Church of the Lakes is here, and all of you teachers just put a $100 gift card in your card for Office Depot, and for all the rest of the staff, you can come up. There are subway cards for all of you. Sorry for the interruption, but happy Valentine's Day. 30 seconds later, 30 seconds later, I got a text from one of our youth who goes to Leesburg High School. Pastor Mike, my Spanish teacher just broke into tears. That's what you did this week. That's what you accomplished this week. Several years ago, and I'm going to stop in just a second, I promise. But several years ago, uh, we were working on the campus, and I was a youth pastor at the time. And we were working with a lady, and we were a bunch of the youth pastors. It's probably eight, ten years ago. We're working on campus and working with this tiny little spitfire lady who was a teacher and doing a, a field day for the incoming freshmen. We worked all day long. We did whatever we could, blah, blah, blah. She came over to me, and she goes, you know what? She said, Mike, I'm Jewish, and I don't like Christian people. And I laughed and I said, sometimes me either, man. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> and, um, and she said, she said, no, but she said, you know what? You're the first Christians I've met that I think it's really real. Now listen to me. That was eight or 10 years ago. She's still there. She got a card from us this week. So she sent me a message. Listen to the message she wrote me. I haven't talked to her since then. You have always been such a huge supporter of LHS. This is wonderful. I can tell you right now, ours will be going to support the Art Olympics competition. We are starting this year to bring all the art departments into Lake County together for collaboration during the Leesburg Art Festival. I'll send you pictures in March. So I'm excited that I'm hoping over the next several weeks, I'm going to get to tell you more stories because I added in the email, the only thing we ask in return is, will you tell us how it helped you or how it changed your class? So we're only praying, praying that over the next few weeks, I'm going to be able to read you some emails of those follow-ups. And then last but not least, yesterday, there were 40 people that showed up to clean up Oak Park Middle School, did a phenomenal job. Um, we, uh, I, I can't even say enough. Our men on mission guys were out there. We remulched. We removed a tree. They had a dead tree, y'all, a big old huge tree. And, um, and Preston pulled that tree down, and it fell on his truck. And it was like, and I kind of, when it happened, I was like, oh crap, that's going to cost us some money. You know, like, that's all I could think. Sorry. That's what I thought. And I looked over at Preston and he goes, that's what makes it a tree truck. (laughs) Gives us some character. Okay. Fantastic. But anyway, listen guys, thank you for being the church that you are. Thank you for your unbelievable faithfulness and giving um, because it has allowed us to do so many amazing things. And I think, honestly, I think God's just getting started. Amen.